You are listening to the Regeneration Rising podcast, a podcast from the Kavira Coalition about the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of agrarians in the United States. Each episode will explore what it means to work in regenerative agriculture, how people came to choose this as their livelihood, and why it's important to them and the future. We hope to build a foundation for a strong community of future agrarians and land stewards with a regenerative approach to community, relationships, and the land. Welcome back to another episode of Regeneration Rising. I'm Taylor Molia, the New Agrarian Program Colorado Manager here at Kivira Coalition. It is a very exciting time of year for us. Uh, not only is snow falling outside my window, but we are accepting New Agrarian Program applications for the 2023 season. So we've been seeing them brush in, and but you still have time. So if you are interested in the New Agrarian Program for next season, hop online, go to kiviracoalition.org and click on New Agrarian, and you can check out all of our locations. And there's some videos to check out and lots of information there. And if you ever need any um, more information or you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. You can email us at newagrarian at kiviracoalition.org. Okay, on to today's podcast. My guest is Akwese Majoli. She was an intern here at the Kivira Coalition for the Carbon Ranch Initiative um, this summer. She is a student at the African Leadership University, Rwanda, and she's also a project lead at a company called Chakula Poda Agroprocessing. Akwese brings so much energy to her work, and it was really cool to see the perspective of somebody doing regenerative agriculture and food systems work on another continent. And it turns out that Cameroonian food systems aren't too much different than ours at the end of the day. I admire Ekwese for her thirst for knowledge, her spirit for helping other people, and she was just a pleasure to talk to. So um, thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Ekwese, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, good. Absolutely. So um, tell us, where are you calling in from today? So I'm currently in Rwanda. I flew into Rwanda um, about two weeks ago from Cameroon. And so I'm trying to settle in for school. So tell us about, let's go back to the beginning. Tell us about your first experiences with agriculture. Okay, so where I come from, agriculture is the main income generating activity. And so almost every household carries out agriculture. In my home, for instance, my mom, she's a smallholder uh, farmer. And even though teaching is her primary uh, occupation, she also has a lot of farms where she teaches. And my dad, he owns a poultry. And so um, basically growing up as a little girl, I learned the very basic things about cultivating the soil, uh, planting and harvesting and even selling in my parents' farms. And so we have a garden behind the house and that's where I learned the most basic things about agriculture. And as for the uh, poultry farming, it was attached, the poultry farm was attached to our house. And so I had the opportunity to always spend time with my father and learn about how to take care of the chicken, how to um, take out the manure and basic things like that. So that's how I first learned about agriculture. I'm I'm just curious what are 
some of your favorite things to grow, whether that's livestock or vegetables? What what are your favorite plants or animals to raise? So for animals, I wasn't um, really exposed to many. I was uh, only exposed to the chicken. And so that's the only uh, um, type of animal I was used to. But um, for the plants, I mean, uh, my mom, she plants a variety. And so we have maize, we have um, beans, we have potato, cassava. And I just love a variety. I just love all of them. As long as you, we can, you know, just plant it and harvest and even transform this plant or this crop into something else. I just love it. I don't really have like a favorite. I, I love all the plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, that's the fun part is being able to go out in the garden and choose all of the things that you want to cook. You, it's so fun to know that everything you grew, every every single part of this meal came from your your own land. I always love doing that. Yeah. Okay, so um so my next question is so you study at the African Leadership Institute in Rwanda. Yeah. Tell us about more what do you study? Okay, so um, well, just to provide some context, my um university isn't like the conventional universities. My university offers just four measures. Mine is global challenges. Global challenges is not something that many people in my community are familiar with. But then um, this is really broad, and to narrow it down, my school focuses on fourteen major global challenges, especially for my my course, my major, and so um, I'm focusing on agriculture and conservation that is where I'm passionate about and that's where my interest lies and so mainly a student-directed learning kind of program and so the students take up 70% of the work and 70 to 80% of the work and uh, we have facilitators who are there to guide us mentor us and just direct us to gain more experience through internships working with organizations that are focused on our area of interest and you know gaining knowledge and so on and so forth and so basically they're just there to guide us and give us the relevant content we need in order to achieve or attain our career goals. And so basically I'm studying global challenges and my focus is agriculture, especially conservation agriculture, regenerative agriculture. And I'm also curious about um, agro-processing and how we can leverage that to help smallholder farmers deal with post-harvest loss because post-harvest loss is a major problem, especially where I come from on the African continent. That's so interesting. I really like that. That's the the format of learning is more so mentorship and and then your experiences in internships and jobs and getting out in the world and deciding what you want to learn. I think that's really unique. Is that usually the format for a lot of universities where you're from or is this a special kind of university? It is not and uh, my university has a, a unique system. It's not found in um, many universities or even all universities on the African continent because ALU's model is really different and they intend to raise uh, 3 million um, entrepreneurial leaders by the year 2030. And so um, this is the, uh, the the strategy they intend to use to do that in order to meet their goals. So it is a unique system. H- haven't heard about it anywhere else. I think there's... A lot of people nowadays are questioning the traditional idea of school and how you're learning. And a lot of things we sit down and learn in school aren't very useful or we we go out into the world and the world is a, a much different than how we learned about it in school. So 
That's really cool that you're learning these problems and these solutions in the real world. Exactly. And also, like, we have the opportunity to work with organizations that present to us real life problems. And so right from our first year, we are exposed to uh, project management and we work with organizations that are out there and they have real life problems and they bring these problems to us. As students, we need to come up with some sort of solution. And so it already it already puts us out there in the world to, to have this experience. I, I wish I could go to a university like that. I think I w- a lot of us would benefit from that kind of structure. For sure. So um, since our audience is mostly people in the United States, tell us more about the agricultural systems you're studying. So I have uh, so many questions. We'll start with the first one. Since you're from Cameroon, but you are currently living in Rwanda, what regions or countries are you focused on studying? Okay, so um, I'm mainly focusing on Rwanda and Cameroon, mainly because I'm currently in Rwanda and um, Cameroon is my home country. And so, well, presently I'm working on this processing project. I carried out research in some districts in Rwanda to understand how um, tomato farmers experience post-harvest loss. And so I had this idea to help farmers that are experiencing post-harvest loss deal with this situation by leveraging um, agro-processing as a means to add value to their products and avoid post-harvest loss due to the lack of available markets. And so um, while this project is based here in Rwanda, um, I was able to secure some funds to start a prototype. And so that's what I'm currently working on. But then in the future, I intend to, um, to delve into regenerative agriculture. I want to look at aspects of agriculture in depth and I want to be able to come up with a project in my own country Cameroon I would love for it to be implemented in Cameroon because Cameroon has a unique agricultural condition it has a very suitable climate for agriculture and so I intend to leverage that to implement an agricultural based project and so yeah those are the two regions I'm focused on I hope in the future I'll be able to expand to other sub-Saharan African countries but for now it's Rwanda and Cameroon I think it's it's super interesting and what will be valuable to understand what is the biome like like what is the weather you said it's really suitable for agriculture so what is the weather like what kind of plants are there animals what kind of people culturally tell us more about this region I don't really know much about Rwanda because I haven't lived there for so long. But then I'm going to talk about my country because I've spent most of my life there in Cameroon. The climate is predominantly um, um, rainy season. And so that is really good for agriculture. And it's it has like the coast, which is also suitable for, you know, the area there at the coastline is very suitable for the cultivation of cocoa, the cultivation of coffee. And these are cash crops that have helped the country so much because of the export. And so, yeah, um, Cameroon is very rich in bio diversity. I don't know if you've heard this, but Cameroon is commonly known as Africa in miniature because it mirrors the biodiversity in the entire continent. That means it has a little bit or even more of everything everywhere, every ecosystem, it has a little bit of it. And that really makes it stand stand out on the African continent. And so um, it has a very rich biodiversity, has over 900 bird species and 
um, 340 approximately uh, that number of mammals. Um, in, we have um, animals like the hippos, we have the chimpanzee, the gorilla, and many others. And so it's very rich in biodiversity. And in terms of agriculture, agriculture is the main income generating activity that's been carried out in Cameroon. And it's mainly subsistent agriculture for now, which is um, really not sustainable, but we hope to do better in the future. Generally, um, Cameroon has a good climate. And even though recently we've experienced um, a reduction in the amount of rainfall, which is due to um, climate change and climate crisis and all of that. But then um, generally, Cameroon is a very uh, a good place, which is rich in biodiversity. I really do appreciate that. And, um, you know, while I was here in Rwanda, something really stood out to me and that really made me miss my country so much uh, my country in my country we have a variety of vegetables we have a variety of plants and so um, unlike uh, my country Rwanda doesn't have that advantage and so that really makes me miss home and yeah so we have a variety of crops like cassava potato coffee banana plantain it's a whole lot and the list can go on and on I really love that about my country the fact that we have a variety and we can choose and we can you can just literally you can literally just go behind your house and cultivate something in the little on the little land you have and you have something at the end of the day like <laughs> that makes me so happy I mean, that is truly such a beautiful thing to be able to go out into your backyard and have trees and gardens and livestock and all these different flavors and um, just a variety. I feel like that's not um, our, in America, we have a very industrial food system that has really destroyed that. So it's really cool to hear that that is a part of your community. That's um, something that we are always trying to come back to. So tell tell us more about the producers, the agricultural producers in Rwanda and Cameroon, where you're studying. What do they generally grow and raise? I know you mentioned poultry and tomatoes. So I'm just really going to focus on Cameroon because I don't really know much about Rwanda. Aside from um, the, the, the tomato project I'm working on, that's about it. I don't really uh, know much. But for my country, I'd love to talk about that. The people in my country, they carry out subsistent um, agriculture and the main crops, the, the plant, beans, corn, potato, cassava. And uh, for cash crops, we have, we have banana, we have rubber, we have cassava as well. We have plantain and many others. The list goes on. And for animals, we have poultry, we have chicken, we have goats, we have cows. And yeah. I'm super curious. So um, you mentioned several times that they're called smallholder farmers um, or subsistence farmers. Tell me more about what kind of, what is the general size of these agricultural operations? In a typical Cameroonian community, the type of farming that is um, carried out by many individuals there, it's a small, it's small scale. And so we have people cultivating on lands that are as large as just one to 10 acres. And well, this is for smallholder farmers, but for more industrial agricultural institutions, we have uh, much more than that. But then 
um, in my community, it's predominantly um, smallholder agriculture that's being carried out. And so the farms are usually small. We were talking earlier about some of the issues that the agricultural system in Cameroon is facing, as well as Rwanda. And you were talking about post-harvest loss is one of those big issues. Can you tell us about some of the other agricultural issues, maybe environmental, and how you are trying to help solve those problems? In Cameroon, for instance, we have the issue of lack of um, lack of good agricultural practices. And so we have that most of the farmers, due to the lack of knowledge of best farm practices, the, the, the often just, you know, cultivate the soil just for the sake of survival, as in they just want to get something out of it that's going to help them sustain themselves and their families. And so most of the time, they don't really, you know, think about the the impact of their actions or uh, whether it is uh, po- uh, positive or negative, and even the impact on the environment as a whole. And so I think the number one challenge, I would say, is um, um, the lack of knowledge and the lack of the implementation of good farming practices and this has really impacted the soil in various negative ways uh so there's a time i was having a, a, a discussion with my mom and she told me how she thinks where there, there might be um drought in the nearest future where she currently has her farms and so when i asked her why she said that it gets worse every year the water is drying up and so the the dryness the soil dryness keeps on getting worse every single year, every single uh, planting season. Yeah, it's something she's been observing. And even though, well, my mom isn't as knowledgeable when it comes to the, you know, regenerative agriculture and all of that, but then she was able to uh, notice these changes in the soil, in the environment. And I told her that it's definitely due to the poor practices many farmers in that area are carrying out. For instance, farmers um, use excessive chemical fertilizers on the soil and it's just for the sake to have large amounts of yields and there is no thought of you know the impacts of these chemicals on the soil and how it's damaging the the natural components of the soil and so it's just mainly about you know getting as much as you can from the soil just extracting as much as you can and so this is really playing out on the environment and in years to come if things are not done differently, we might experience drought and other impacts of the way we are currently carrying out agriculture. And so this is a major problem. The lack of knowledge, the lack of awareness among smallholder farmers, it's really detrimental for the the, the environment. I guess agriculture has been operating in a way that is really profitable and beneficial for the short term and not looking at the long term or not looking at the larger system of the whole, right? Like the whole water system, like, is there, you know, drought isn't something necessarily that just happens. It is something that is caused by disruptions in this, the larger water system. So our agriculture is contributing to that larger system. So yeah, we're having the same issues. And, and that sort of brings me to, so you are a practitioner and a student of regenerative agriculture. How has it been to, to speak to these farmers and what are some challenges that you're facing in helping them adopt regenerative practices? I haven't really had the opportunity to have a one-on-one with farmers aside from my mom. Uh, my mom has served as some sort of um, a vessel through which I can you know, pass on the information. And so um, when I had that conversation with my mom, I was able to 
tell her or introduce um, regenerative agriculture to her. And so we had a plan. We decided to come up with a plan on how to incorporate some uh, regenerative um, agricultural activities. So uh, I suggested that she makes her own compost, her own manure for her farm. And also since my dad is a poultry farmer, I suggested that she purchase the manure from my dad and use them in her farm. And so she was able to do this for uh, some parts of her farm. And she saw the results and told me it was extraordinary. It was incredible. And she would love to continue with this practice. The truth is that um, many people might just look at regenerative agriculture um, as something that's maybe difficult to implement. And that might take some time in order to bear fruits. But the truth is the impact or the outcomes of this type of agriculture is really massive. And so my mom was able to experiment and she was able to tell the story afterwards. So I told her, why don't you tell your colleagues where you have your farms? Because she's not the only farmer there. There are many other farmers there. And so I I told her, why don't you tell these people um, what you've done and how it's impacted you positively, how it has impacted your output? And so she said yes. And I'm hoping that this is some sort of impact and yeah, the people will be able to, you know, just like my mom adopt this regenerative agricultural activity and, you know, see the outcome for themselves. That is so cool that she is experimenting and you're, you're making a change even just with one, you know, one small holding, you know, every culture is different, but in our, in our culture, it seems like the most change happens when one farmer or rancher speaks to another farmer or rancher and talks about maybe even with photos or a presentation at a conference. It, that is where the change happens is when you have one person who understands these systems speaking to another person who also is kind of, spe- they're speaking the same language. They, you know, it's not just somebody from the university coming out it's that's where the real change happens so that's really cool to hear you know what you said about you know it is really important that we have someone who has tried a farmer who has tried and has had a good outcome we have that type of person meet the message because the other farmers are able to relate to that particular person since that person is also a smallholder farmer. This is very common in my community. If you're just someone who has been out there and you just come in, they'll, they'll probably think you're trying to impose the system on them. But I think the best way is to pass through some other farmer who is willing to accept, who is willing to learn and pass through that farmer to reach out to many other farmers. And just like that, I think the impact is going to continue and someday it's going to be way massive than it is now. I think that's, that is where the change happens. Maybe it can happen from the top down, but most social change happens from the bottom up and it's no different with farming. So you're seeing that right in your backyard and we see that here at Kibera too. So that's really cool that, that you've started and you see that magic happening, even with your own parents, (laughs) you start somewhere. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, exactly. So tell me more about, so you are an intern here at Kibera. I think probably the first intern that is so far away. Um, Tell me more about your internship at Kivera with the Carbon Ranch Initiative. So what are you learning and what are you sharing from your own experience? 
It's been truly remarkable, my time here at Quivira. First and foremost, what really stood out to me was how friendly every staff was. I was able to meet with a couple of staff and just have casual conversations with them. And that truly was amazing for me. I was I already felt like I was at home. And so uh, moving forward, I was exposed to different projects that I, I I took interest in. And so that this is also one thing I, I love about the organization. I, I felt like I wasn't pressured into doing something that I wasn't passionate about or something I did not find interest in. And so often I was asked if these projects were the things I really wanted to work on. And, you know, before I started my internship, I had two main goals. I really wanted to improve my knowledge in regenerative agriculture and build my network. And so I was able to attain this goal. And I am still currently working um, with Quivira. I'll, I'll be rounding, rounding up with my internship um, next month. And so I'm still having this fantastic experience. I've been able to explore content and learning materials through my time with Quivira on carbon ranching, on uh, Boucher, the Boucher production. And so these are regenerative agriculture techniques which are intriguing. And I learned so much. And I really do appreciate that, you know, one thing they kept on doing is, you know, giving me this content to learn. And since one of my primary goal was to gain knowledge, they just kept on giving me this content to familiarize myself with the concept of regenerative agriculture and the different projects they are carrying out. And so right now I feel very impacted. I feel that I have enough knowledge and understanding of the regenerative agriculture and I, I and I am able to transmit this knowledge onto my audience, onto the people who will be listening to me in the future. I feel like the resources and information that they've given you, Kivira is based in a very dry place. And so I, I would imagine that the principles are the same, but they might actually work better where you are because there is more water. <laughs> so it would be exciting to see the effects of biochar and compost and yeah. in a place with more rain. I'm also looking forward to it. Awesome. So tell me, what are your long-term goals uh, professionally, personally? Where do you want to see yourself? In terms of my career, I would love to further my education after I attain my bachelor's degree. I really want to, you know, delve deep into regenerative agriculture and circular food systems. I want to have technical knowledge and, and yeah technical competency in this area of interest. One of my goals is to... Um, um, further my study in this area but then I still also think about what if my venture because um, I, I spoke about the agro-processing venture what if it actually starts materializing um, I'll probably have to stay to um, scale it up and so it's a little bit tricky and uh, but then I still have faith that things will turn out great by the time I'm done with undergraduate and yeah but for now I see myself really desiring to further my education in that sector and um <laughs> maybe juggling the 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 two my my business and also education well who knows but then those are the two things that are in mind for now yeah and i i'm not sure we spoke too much about it, but did you want to talk about this business idea? You were talking about post-harvest loss with tomatoes. Um, is it the business you were referring to where you're making tomato powder? 
Yeah, exactly. So, um, like I said, I was able to um, secure some funds to prototype my products. Since it was initially um, at the ideation phase, but then I was able to come to a prototyping phase. And so right now we're currently at that phase. And so um, it's an agro-processing venture whereby we will be helping um, um, tomato farmers as well as tomato retailers um, with their you know, mechanically damaged tomatoes. And yeah, basically we'll be collecting these tomatoes and transforming them to tomato powder, adding value to them and increasing their shelf life. And so um, this is going to help with the issue of post-harvest loss because these tomatoes that are uh, mechanically damaged, right, if left without any buyer, will eventually get spoiled beyond use. And so um, this venture is out to help tomato farmers and tomato retailers to, you know, proactively avoid this type of loss that is mainly caused by the lack of available markets. And yeah, so we hope to prototype this product and come up with a pricing model and also test the market since it's some it's a product that is new in the Rwandan market. Uh, tomato powder isn't something that is um, common in the Rwandan market and even some parts of Africa. And so we hope that what we really need to put in a lot in order to build a market from scratch. And so it's going to be a lot. It's an exciting journey. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And so basically that's what it's about. We have the same issues here, especially with tomatoes. I used to work near the Mexican border with the United States, and we had truckloads of tomatoes coming in from South and Central America and Mexico coming in. And if the truck had, you know, damaged tomatoes, they wouldn't make it all the way to where they're going and they would just go into a landfill. And we it was so hard to see. Food waste is such a big issue in our country too. So I'm excited to see what you come up with. And I think people could probably learn to use it just knowing that it was something that was going to be going to waste. So yeah. So my last question is, I really like to dig into every guest. I like to know what brings them joy. So a little bit about their personal sort of like their mission in their work and even just just in your daily life what brings you joy I'm someone who is really spiritual and I think the spiritual aspect of my life it's a very integral a very important aspect of my life and so I'm a Christian and so that area of my life I find it really important and so I I find that that really gives me joy to be in perfect synchronization with my spirituality and so yeah that is like the first and also I love helping people I love um, transferring my knowledge and I think that has given me a lot of joy too every summer I do volunteer with Open Dreams this is um it's an organization that helps uh, students in my country have access to good quality education. Like myself, I was in a place where I didn't, you know, know the way forward. I was a little bit lost, but then when I found Open Dreams, I was able to um, get a scholarship to study at the African Leadership University. And so I'm able to give back to my community now. And it gives me a lot of joy to be able to share my experience and to teach young people where in my place some years back. And so, yeah, these are the things that give me joy. I think there are many other things. We have spending time with family and friends and just being part of this community that brings out the best in me. I think all of these things really bring gives me joy. Wow, that's beautiful. Well, it was so 
lovely to meet you and to speak with you. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. I, I am so inspired by your energy and your passion for helping other people. And, you know, most people go about their lives and don't really think to be a leader or to innovate solutions for big problems or to help other people. And there's just so much of that in you. You have such a uh, unique and very genuine passion to solve these problems. And so thank you so much for all of your work. We're so happy to have you at Kivera and thanks for being on our podcast today. Thank you very much for the opportunity. This is my first podcast and I'm really excited. Oh, good. Well, it was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. again so much to Akoise for joining us on the podcast. If you would like to learn more about her and her work, you can visit our show notes. We have a number of links where you can find more information. Kivira Coalition has spent decades building a network within the regenerative agriculture community, and we love to share job, internship, and apprenticeship opportunities with our community through our podcast and monthly newsletter. The new agrarian program applications are now open. Applications close on December 15th, so please look at the locations at kiviracoalition.org slash newagrarian slash locations to learn more about these awesome sites in Colorado, Montana, and South Dakota. We also have a recorded NAP 101 video at the bottom of our Prospective Apprentices webpage that is very informative. Red Wing Ranch in Colorado is hiring a ranch manager. They are in the process of transitioning from conventional to regenerative grazing practices and are seeking an experienced, hands-on ranch manager to help shift ranch operations. Furnished on-site housing is provided, and the starting salary is $65,000. To learn more, email Christy at redwingranch.farm. New Mexico's Rio Arriba County 4-H is hiring an extension agent based out of Abiquiu, New Mexico. This position provides leadership and guidance to adults and youth involved in agricultural programs both in and out of 4-H and will work with New Mexico State University as well. A successful applicant should have knowledge of the 4-H Youth Development Program and the socio and cultural needs of the communities. To learn more, go to jobs.nmsu.edu slash postings slash 48287. The Nature Conservancy is hiring a farmer for the Dugout Ranch in Utah. This person will perform and participate in agricultural operations at the ranch, including maintenance, management, development, and coordination of crop cultivation, irrigation, and equipment operation. To apply, visit careers.nature.org and search the job ID number 52409. Every month, we include job postings in our monthly newsletter. Visit kiviracoalition.org to sign up. To view a copy of this month's newsletter or any previous ones, visit kiviracoalition.org slash newagrarian slash resources. Have a job opportunity to share yourself? Send it to newagrarian at kiviracoalition.org so we can include it in our next monthly newsletter and podcast.
Thank you for listening to Regeneration Rising, a podcast production of the Kavira Coalition. We'd like to thank our guests for taking the time to talk with us about their experiences. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and other popular podcast platforms. Become a Patreon supporter by visiting kaviracoalition.org slash podcasts. We'd also like to thank Kavira staff members, Leah Ritchie, Taryn Dixon, Taylor Mulia, Lynn Whitbeck, and Caroline Caldwell for their contributions to producing this podcast. This episode was edited and engineered by Caleb Wenzel-Fisher. Wanderlust, our theme music, was made by Scott Buckley. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the land.